Charles Woodson, Desmond Howard, Denard Robinson, Timonga Bianca Batuka, from Yost to Arbaugh, passed down from generation to generation, Michigan football has stood the test of time. What's that feeling you get when you catch your first glimpse of the big house? When you hear, and take the field. When you see the team emerge from the tunnel, sprint across the field, and touch that famed M-Go Blue banner. Saturdays in the fall, tailgates with friends and family, favorite players, favorite teams, and unforgettable moments. A lifetime of memories. College football in 2020 may be unique, but it has arrived at the corner of Stadium and Main, which is where you can find Michael Spath and Justin Rowe sharing their analysis, their stories, and their emotions about this year's Wolverine. This is the Stadium and Main podcast. Presented by Kapnick Insurance Group, Wolverine State Brewing Company, and Lewis Jewelers. Welcome to the Stadium in Maine podcast. I am Justin Rowe, and I am joined by my co-host, Michael Spath. It is November 13th, the Friday before Michigan versus Wisconsin in the big house. Uh, night game, primetime game for Michigan. Uh, my excitement level is wavering a little bit. Obviously, we've talked about, uh, you know, how things have gone with Michigan this year. And you've talked about, even, even last week, Mike, you were still pretty excited to watch Indiana. So are you still excited to watch this game at one and two? Or are you thinking, uh, all right, I, I can uh, maybe kind of half watch this week? You know, Justin, in terms of actual like Michigan anticipation, do I think they're going to win? Am I like geeked about like seeing, um, you know, the, the, the young guys and, and all that, not as much, but I'll tell you what, after we waited 41 weeks for Michigan football, uh, after we all, you know, went through the, we're still going through the, the COVID pandemic uh, and sports were canceled and we lost out on March madness and we lost out on the masters, which is being played this weekend. Uh, losing out on all those things, I'm just trying to appreciate college football. And so I'm going to watch the games this weekend, Michigan State, Indiana, Michigan, Wisconsin, I think Purdue Northwestern, a, a surprise important game in the Big Ten West. Um, I'm just going to take it all in and, and try to absorb it all. So, yeah, there's, there's some excitement. Um, you know, when you look at this Michigan-Wisconsin game, I mean, you know, I, I think for me a lot of it is like watching the offense, watching the offense develop. Uh, what is Joe Milton, you know, where does he learn, uh, you know, where does he grow? Where does he make improvements from week to week? We talked about it a lot on our, our Thursday podcast, uh, maybe episode 17, uh, about, um, you know, does he, does he have the full arsenal? Does he get an opportunity to really showcase everything that he can possibly do? So there's like little subplots that I'm paying attention to. But overall, you know, is my expectation Michigan's going to go out and win this game and then turn things around and, and march down the, you know, march through the rest of the schedule and go six and two and beat Ohio State. I mean, no, I don't have, I don't have that level of anticipation. But let me ask you, Justin, when you look at this game, what's on the line for Michigan? You know, they talk about like every game is an opportunity to move a step forward, but, but big picture here, what's on the line for Michigan this weekend against Wisconsin? 
Well, I think one thing that's uh, pretty uh, a big story that's coming in is is JJ McCarthy's going to be in the house. There's going to be a couple more recruits that are in the house. So I think that after Michigan lost Rayshon Benny last week, defensive tackle uh, commit to Michigan State, people are looking at this season now as they got to turn it around at least a little bit and show some progression for 2021 in the future to keep these commits around. I mean, it would be an absolute travesty to lose JJ McCarthy. And so I don't, I don't think they're in that position right now. Um, But I think it's, it's starting to trend that way on the recruiting side that there, these recruits aren't looking at Michigan in the same way that they're looking at other, other primetime schools like Ohio state and everything else. So in order for Michigan to keep a top 10 class, I think they have to show maybe that not that they're better than Wisconsin, but at least show that they're, they're competing, you know, because right now the last two weeks they haven't showed that they're on the same competition level as even Indiana and Michigan state. And so that I think is a big deal. I think that Harbaugh and the coaching staff need to show that they, you know, are are moving forward in the in the future. And I want to see. I we've said it every single week, but I I can't stop saying it. I want to see some fight from this team. We saw it last week a little bit in the third quarter and the fourth quarter from Ronnie Bell. I want to see that from everybody. Act like you yeah, care yeah. That, that these uh, that you're getting beat. You know, and so. Um, I, I don't know. It's hard to say where that starts, whether it's with the coaching staff or the, or the players or, or where it is. But um, I just want to see um, some, some progress being made and some fight like, hey, we're playing football out here. We're Michigan. We're not just going to roll over and let, you know, a two and six season happen. Um, we're going to show some fight and try and, and still win every single football game. Well, it's interesting you mentioned the recruiting aspect because, you know, if, if you listen to a lot of guys who cover recruiting, they've always said that any one result is not going to have an impact on a recruit. And maybe even, you know, a one and two start doesn't have a big impact on a recruit. But there's, there's some mitigating factors with this year and this recruiting class. And a big part of that is the fact that Jim Harbaugh doesn't have a contract extension. So next year's his final year. And if you're a recruit, and you're in this uh, top 10 class for, for uh, Michigan football and Michigan's one and two. And all you hear is all this talk from fans and media that they're going to try to part ways with Jim Harbaugh after the year, that next year will be the last season that he could get fired. Those are the kind of seeds of doubt that can be, uh, that, that can really kind of factor in um, as you're talking about closing on signing day in, in early December. And so that's a little bit different. And so if, at the very least, if you go out there and beat Wisconsin, I don't think the overall from the fans and media, it changes and says like, well, they beat Wisconsin. Jim Harbaugh's job is safe. He's, he's all locked in, but at least it quiets that conversation for a week. It staves it off a little bit. And so if you're a recruit, I mean, if you're Michigan, if you're Michigan's coaches, here's what you're hoping with your recruiting class with JJ McCarthy is you've got to get through this Wisconsin game, Rutgers, and maybe Penn state. If you can win those three games and now you're four and two, and you're closing in on signing day, then you've got some momentum going in that signing day, and those kids stay with you. If, on the other hand, you lose to Wisconsin, maybe you lose one of the two games between Rutgers and Penn State. I, again, I don't see it to get to Rutgers, and Penn State looks like hot garbage right now, but you never know. But if you lose, like, two more games before signing day, God, I mean, that's really going to dial up the anti-Harbaugh talk. This has got to be his final season. 
And really, co- players want to play for the coach that they've committed to. And if they think that he's going to be gone mm-hmm. because that's everything that's swirling around, that's when recruiting can take a, can take a big hit. Uh, so I think that in the big picture is, is how, why this game is so critically important um, is, is to keep that recruiting class and group, keep that recruiting momentum uh, going into signing day, which is in a couple of weeks in early December. Yeah, it just seems like as this season progresses – every loss is just going to pile on and make everything so much worse. And that may seem like a stupid, obvious statement, but I think that people kind of think, oh, they're one and two. The season's lost already. It doesn't even matter. It's a, it's a you know, shortened season. It, it doesn't even really count. But every week that Michigan goes out and on pro, in primetime on ESPN or ABC or Fox or whatever, if they keep showing – that they are an incompetent football team that doesn't have the fight and they lose by two, three scores and, and they're making mistakes. It shows these recruits are watching that. And then the fans are watching and, and everything just kind of snowballs to, like you said, the more anti Harbaugh talk and recruits will start, you know, I, they'll cool off a little bit on Michigan and the ones that they're looking at, not even just for 2021. Um, but then, beyond 2022 and 2023 all of a sudden you start losing steam with those guys so i think that each of these games means more in the big picture than just uh, obviously the season for 2020 is lost already because i think if if they do figure something out which i don't have a whole lot of confidence in and do go four and two they do have a full head of steam and, and maybe they you know go into ohio state and still get whooped but at least it's it's not a a three and five season with a, a 50 point loss to Ohio state, you can at least get some momentum. Like you said, going into signing day. Well, um, Justin, here's the crazy thing is that if they win this game on Saturday, if they can find a way to beat Wisconsin, and it's not that crazy because we'll talk about it uh, coming up in about uh, 20 minutes or so uh, after our conversation with Ruben Riley, I mean, you know, what, what level of competitiveness is this Wisconsin team after, after two weeks off, uh, so we'll get into that in our predictions. But if they find a way to beat Wisconsin, well, then they've got Rutgers. And, and as, as well as Rutgers is playing, there's still Rutgers. And you think that Michigan can win that game. Uh, and, and, you know, then they've got a hapless Penn State team that's 0-3 coming to the big house. Okay, you win another one. Now you're 4-2 you're and two and you're playing Maryland. There's, you could beat Maryland. And so now you're 5-2 and two going to that Ohio State game. Again, nobody would expect you to beat Ohio State. And and I certainly think that they're still going to get, you know, you know, mopped with, uh, with by uh, Ohio State. But you've at least got some of that momentum going forward. And you've quieted the critics a little bit. I mean, not, not that much because you've still got to win big games. But, um, but certainly it would be very good for this program if they can put together a couple of wins. Good for these players. Good for the confidence of someone like Joe Milton. Yeah. And, and Justin, I, I want to ask you about this game on Saturday. Like, how much of this game and, and what you're going to keep an eye on going forward is really just comes down to on the offensive side of the ball, you know, we've kind of, I don't want to say written off the running game a little bit, but just kind of watching the development of some of the young guys, watching what Joe Milton does week to week, watching what Roman Wilson and A.J. Henning, the young wide receivers, and what Eric All does. I mean, I think that's where my biggest interest level is in this Michigan football team this weekend and, and in future weeks is like, okay, there are some interesting, intriguing pieces on this offense. Let's see how they develop, and let's see what they're capable of doing week to week. 
Absolutely. I think that's the, the most important thing to watch right now. And I'm focusing I, – I think we know that Joe Milton has the talent now, and, and he can get it done. If he it, – he'll it'll – with experience, he'll get much better. And I think by the beginning of 2021, he's going to be, be a pretty dang good quarterback. So where I'm looking at actually on the offensive side of the ball is still that offensive line. And I know that they're not going to be polished right now. I know that it, they're still probably going to struggle because um, I, I don't see Jalen Mayfield playing for the rest of the year, and I don't know exactly what Ryan Hayes is doing. So I'm looking at uh, not even Andrew Mastardis, honestly. And I, I, I love Mastardis. I think he's a good dude. But I'm looking at these other guys um, that are, that are the, the younger guys, you know, even Trent Jones. Chuck Filiaga, you know, these guys that are going to be the, the line that, um, that is, is going to be the core of Michigan moving forward. And, and you know, when we talked to, to Ruben Riley about it, too, he said he has a bunch of confidence in them in the future. So I'm looking at them and making some progression. I don't expect them to be great, but each week be better than the last week and, and you know, clean up some of those mistakes that they're making. Um, and then on the, on the opposite side of the ball, I'm looking at this secondary. Which one of these guys are, are going to step up at some point? Dax Hill can't do it all himself. So I want to see, you know, if we're halfway through this uh, Michigan uh, – or sorry, this Wisconsin game, and Vincent Gray is just still not getting it done and Jamon Green isn't getting it done either – I want to see Jalen Perry. I want to see Andre Selden. I want to see some of these guys, uh, you know, even Sammy Fawcett, get them in there and see see what can happen because um, we're going to need somebody to step up. So we might as well try out, you know, who is uh, who could be the guy in 2021. So is there anyone else that you're taking a look at for, uh, for the rest of the year here, specifically in this game? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm curious now that we know that Aiden Hutchinson is out for this game and and pretty much done for the season. Uh, you know, last week when it happened, and it happened pretty early against Indiana, but you know his his uh, his number two Julius Welshoff is is taking number two reps all week in practice, and so uh, now I'm kind of curious to see okay those guys that that opportunity is available. There's a starting job up for grabs, and so. Does someone run with it? Um, you know, how do you replace a guy like Aiden Hutchinson, who is a who is an MVP of your defense? Um, so I, I'm going to keep an eye largely on the defense line. It's been a other than Quiddy Pay, who we've talked about, uh, 25 quarterback pressures in three games. Um, one of the top, uh, you know, top chaos makers in college football this year. Other than him, it's been an incredibly disappointing defensive line. And so I'm I'm all eyes on that. Uh, you know, I think everybody's been focusing on Don Brown, but Sean Nua, the defensive line coach, um, you know, there's been a dramatic step down in production and performance and development since Greg Madison left. And so, uh, you know, what do they what do they do in this game? Because, again, if Graham Mertz is playing, you know, we do expect Wisconsin to throw the football, but Wisconsin's bread and butter for, uh, you know, going on two decades, maybe more than that, is running the football. And so do they have a lot of success running against Michigan's defensive line this week. So that's, that's kind of where I'm focused at uh, for, for this game on the defensive side of the ball. So Justin, every week on this uh, late in the week podcast, we're talking to one of my colleagues at Kapnick insurance group. And uh, this guy knows his sports game super well, former Michigan golfer, Bill Lyle. And 
uh, one of the first things that I that I when I when I met Bill at Kaepernick about five or six weeks ago is, you know, we immediately jumped into conversation about football recruiting and basketball recruiting and football team overall. And, you know, he's on he was he was on Rivals.com and 247sports.com and MGO blog and all those sites. And uh, Bill, would you say that you're I mean, in, in the level of fandom, would you count yourself as a rabid fan? I don't know about rabbit. Um, I love Michigan sports. Um, I graduated from Michigan. I'm a huge fan. You are correct. I did follow all those sites in the past, and I every once in a while I find myself jumping back in during big recruit signings or recruit commitments. But, you know, as I've gotten a little older here, I think uh, the craziness, of being a fan has lessened, and I'm still a huge fan, though. Well, you're the one who, I think like two weeks ago, when Juwan Howard got Caleb Houston, the five-star, and then, you know, what was it, just late late last week when he got another five-star, uh, you're the one who immediately was like, hey, Juwan just got another five-star. So you might say that you've dialed it down, but you were the very – you knew within two minutes of these kids committing. I, I did. I do follow Twitter. So that's kind of my uh, – craziness would be Twitter and then I do dabble I'll go jump in and learn about the kids but I I would say I'm not just crazy following all these kids but when I see something hit Twitter I enjoy it yeah well I'm I'm the same way man and I I mean you know what I keep on telling myself I'm going to turn it off a little bit dial it down and then I find myself you know like this weekend like I keep on saying like "Ah, I'm just gonna have the game out in the background but I guarantee you that I'll be, you know, keeping focus on uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, uh, while it's being played on Saturday night. So, so Bill, you've been with the company with Captain Concerns for more than six years now, and you, uh, you know, you can really, you, you've got an ability to to really specialize in, you know, kind of like a, a, a medium to, you know, medium to bigger size client with a lot of moving parts, including one of the ones that everybody knows is the MDEN. Uh, and so, you know, tell me a little about working with the MDEN. Uh, I know you can't give away proprietary secrets and things like that, but just, you know, why, why is such a good fit with Captain Insurance Group? Well, I think uh, Scott Hurst um, is a family-owned business. It's been in his family for years, years and years. Um, Captain, same thing, third-generation Captain uh, running our company. So I think it's just a great fit. Um, they care about their employees want to protect all of their assets and they continue to grow. So it is a great fit. Um, I know it's been a struggle during, like for a lot of people being in retail, uh, struggle during COVID. Um, but, you know, trying to get, trying to get through. Yeah. Well, another one too, that um, you took me up to a visit with up in Brighton is a uh, legacy center. Uh, and I mean, there are so many moving parts here. And I think this is one of the things I really appreciate uh, about working at Captain Bill is that we have, we have, in, uh, you know, experts in every specialty group. And so at Legacy Center, I mean, you've got, you've got so many different things going on there and that's where you're, you know, you've got a lot of experience, but you can also lean on the team at Kaepernick, um for all these different areas within one company. Exactly. There's a perfect example of growth. Uh, I think when I, First, when they first became a client of mine, uh, we had one, we had one dome, um, but shows an example of how crazy youth sports are. 
and how someone can capitalize on that. Um, we're now up to a, a dome, many baseball and softball fields, many soccer fields, a large field house, and now uh, the finishing touches on an indoor basketball slash volleyball uh, facility. So U Sports continues to grow, and companies like uh, Legacy um, are a great place for everyone to go and enjoy. Well, and there's a lot of, I mean, one of the things too, Bill, with a, with a company like that is so, since you have so many different areas, there is a lot of, you know, insurance needs there. You've got the building. I mean, you've got the dome that needs to be insured, but you've also got the liability because you have so many people coming in and out of that building uh, and that are being coached up that are, you know, there's, there's a lot of risk associated with that. And so, you know, one of the things that I really appreciate again about Capnick is, is that, you know, every I, every T is going to be crossed to make sure that, you know, there's not any. Exactly. You and I are just one small piece. I mean, behind us, uh, we've got a very broad team that's doing all of those, the, the compliance, uh, making sure that the policies are correct, making sure that we're protecting those uh, right exposures. Um, you're right in legacy there are many different exposures and we're dealing with uh, many kids going in and out of there. So the exposures are even greater with, with uh, the liability associated with that. And so we do have a great team behind us that's, that's managing that on a daily basis and allows us to look at the big picture and protect clients like legacy um, for the long term. Well, if you'd like to work with Bill Lyle, a uh, very experienced guy, um, has been uh, already a great mentor towards me and a, maybe not rabid, but huge sports fan, huge Michigan sports fan, uh, you can reach out to him at bill.lyle uh, at capnick.com. Uh, that's B-I-L-L dot L-Y-L-E at capnick.com. And Bill, before we let you go, two predictions. One, what do you see? What is your prediction for the rest of this Michigan football season? And since I know you're a big basketball guy, uh, how do you feel about this Michigan basketball team in 2020-21? Uh, I thought you were going to ask me something I knew about the Masters. But, uh, <laughs> well, we can talk uh, about that, too. When it comes to basketball, I'm excited. I, I think getting Isaiah Livers back another year with Franz Wagner. Um, another year with Juwan Howard, just getting to know these kids. I think it's going to be a huge year, and I think, what, preseason ranking 25? I think that's on the lower side. So I'm excited for what basketball could do. I'm going to stay positive with football. Um, I think they can turn it around. I think the struggles in the secondary and now losing a couple, one or two defensive linemen, I think that's going to hurt. But hopefully that offense can need to grow and hold them in there and maybe sneak out a few games here that we don't expect. Well, that would be welcome news. If they can beat Wisconsin, maybe there can be some uh, excitement around this program again. Bill, really appreciate you uh, joining us this morning. Thank you. You mentioned Ruben. You know, Justin, we had a great conversation with Ruben Riley. Um, you know, he sees the game at a different level, um, certainly along the offensive line than we do. And so, uh, let's uh, let's talk to Ruben and and get his feelings and his thoughts. Uh, we didn't get a chance to talk to him last week, so here we are uh, talking to Ruben Riley. 
So our guest, Reuben Riley, former Michigan offensive lineman, started uh, in the 2004, 2005, and 2006 seasons. Most of his time at right tackle opposite uh, fellow bookend Jake Long. Uh, was also an interior lineman as both a guard and, and you know, maybe snapped the ball here and there and, and could have played running back in, or quarterback if Michigan ever asked him to. And uh, Reuben, thanks uh, for joining us again this week. And you know, we, we didn't get a chance to talk to you last week after the Michigan State game. And so here we are after these last two games. And my goodness, the, the, the feel good of the offensive line, the running game, everything after the Minnesota game has just been completely uh, disappeared these last two weeks. Yeah, it's, it's been rough to be uh, a fan and alumni right now with us, um, you know, dropping, uh, you know, back to back losses and in the fashion in which we lost, um, you know, with the, uh, Offense being, you know, kind of stagnant at times and then um, some exposure on the back end of the defense, uh, lack of pass rush, you know, some of those things just kind of making it, uh, you know, hard to uh, watch Michigan football right now. But, um, you know, this guy's got to stay the course and, and believe in their coaching and their teaching and uh, continue to improve from week to week. But, um, yeah, definitely difficult to watch. Ruben, let's, let's kind of jump more into the offensive line specifically because uh, week two, the, the problem against Michigan State uh, was seemingly both the, the philosophy and, you know, Michigan State had a good defense planned. And then, then some of the guys, um, you know, they might be older, like Chuck Filiaga and Andrew Stuber and Andrew Vistardis, but they're not really experienced. And so if you could take us back to week two, kind of what were your impressions of Michigan's struggles uh, among the offensive line and in the running game, and and then we'll we'll take a look at how that maybe was different against Indiana. Well, I just think Michigan State's uh, front seven was very stout. You know, that was a tough group um, who really got after it. We did a, a poor job reestablishing the line of scrimmage. What I mean by that is just seeing offensive linemen's heels, their feet move forward. You know, uh, two or three yards forward. Uh, we were stalemated at the line of scrimmage quite a few times and gave up. Uh, you know, pressure and, 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 you know, kind of TFL type situations. But it just, yeah, we, we didn't do a great job reestablishing the line of scrimmage and just being dominant um, and creating that movement up front. And, and, it, and it cost us. It was, it was very unproductive up front. Did you think, I mean, what, you know, you're a high school coach, uh, you know, you're getting stymied like that. They're, they're attacking you. Uh, what type of changes would you have tried within the game and what type of changes would you have tried after the game going into the Indiana game, knowing that the Hoosiers are probably going to defend you in a similar fashion? Yeah, well, when you can't get the ground game going, it really, it, it really hurts you and it kind of restricts your playbook. You know, it's, it, it's you know, you, you're, you're almost feeling as if like, man, I can't call these plays and set up things and, it restricts what you feel like you can do as an OC. Uh, while I've never been an OC, I'm definitely involved in, in play calling and, and uh, you know, recommending uh, plays, feel-good plays that kind of get, get our guys going, get the momentum going on our side. But when there's a lack of momentum and a lack of productivity in the run game and it makes you, you know, it kind of handicaps you to put the ball in the air. And, you know, although Milton's a, a, a heck of a quarterback, he's, he's been, you know, prone to overthrow and, and do some of those things. It's, it creates a real difficult task for that OC to just run something to get the ball rolling and just get those feel-good plays where you can sustain a drive and, and possibly put points on the board. 
You know, Ruben, we talked about this on the defensive side of the ball where it seemed like guys are thinking too much and it slows them down. Their reaction times aren't as quick and they can't just play football. I, I thought I saw a little bit of that on the offensive line as well, um, specifically a couple plays with Andrew Vistardis where it looked like he was a little bit slow and kind of you know, rotating his head, looking for somebody to block, and then he was uh, late to get there. And, and also just not – uh, pushing off the ball they're not they're not uh, aggressive and anything like that did you see the same or is there any concept like are they doing too many difficult concepts is Ed Warner making it uh, not easy on those guys um, I, I honestly think that you know um, from an offensive line perspective that you know uh, the center's making the calls and when fronts move when guys stunt and twist and do different things like that it can complicate your calling uh, but the key thing to it all is the center has to make a decision. And when he makes that decision, everybody has to do it, regardless if it's right or wrong. Um, I always tell my offense alignment, five bodies, one mind. And that has to be, that has mm -hmm. to be the, the, the theme of that offensive line. Even if the center made the incorrect call, we'll all do it and, and we'll be okay. But if, if two of us do one thing and three of us do another thing, I mean, that can be disastrous. So, the key to it all is whatever uh, uh, Vastardis is seeing up front, you call it and you run it and you live with it. Um, but when he's second guessing himself and, and, and doing some of those things that you saw, a lot of times when you see an offensive lines, uh, offensive lineman's head move, you know, you, if you're looking at the stripe of the back of his helmet and you're seeing that stripe move quite a few times, they don't know what they're doing and they're a little confused. Uh -huh. um, so, you know, they, those are telltale signs. But at the end of the day, the center calls it. Um, you know, if a tackle sees something on the outside, he can yell and, and, and maybe veto some things in pass pro. But he's calling it, we're running it, and we'll live, we'll live or die with the call as long as we all do it together. You know, Ruben, uh, back in uh, 2006, uh, your final season, I'm looking at the, the starting offensive line, and you guys, uh, I, I think you pretty much had the same group start, you know, 12 out of the 13 games. You guys were able to develop that uh, great chemistry. You go back to the first year that you got in the starting lineup as a left guard uh, in 2004, and you know there was a lot of changes to that offensive line. Um, you know, three three different players until you got you know you firmed it up, started at left guard. Two different guys started at center. Uh, you know, two different guys started at right tackle. Now I think part of that was that Jake Long was out early on in the year with an injury, but then he came back. Now you see this Michigan offensive line that. You know, after week two, you know, some unfortunate uh, injuries. Jalen Mayfield gets hurt. He's probably out for the rest of the year. Ryan Hayes, the starting left tackle, gets hurt. Um, he, you know, he probably will come back, but, uh, but not exactly sure when. And so now they're sticking young guys in here. I mean, this is like worst case scenario for, for a coach, right? I mean, you, 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 you try to develop an offensive line three games into the season, you're already shuffling pieces around. And, and on top of that, you're not going to have your best lineman for the entire year. Yeah, it's tough. Um, you know, I remember when, when Big Jake went down um, with the broken ankle uh, in training camp. I mean, it was devastating. That was the first time that Lloyd Carr didn't move the drill. You know, <laughs> we all just sat there like, man, this, this is a blow here. You know, this is tough uh, to lose the big fella. Um, but at the same point in time, it's next man up. You know, that's why you recruit. That's why you develop multiple guys at multiple positions. Um, and, and it's next man up, you know, no different than our cornerback situations and our receiver situations. 
you know, guys go for whatever reason, injury, uh, you know, just decision to transfer or, you know, whatever it is, it's next man up. That's why you recruit uh, great guys and, and guys that you think have a high ceiling and you can put your development and your coaching um, um, to great use and, and your weight room and your, and your uh, strength and conditioning coach to great use to get, you know, what you think those kids have in them, what those young men have mm -hmm. in them. So um, it's, it's next man up when, when you have a, a great player go down and it's time for that young guy to become the next great player. Uh, so, you know, nobody really cares about, you know, who we didn't have. Um, um, you know, I just think back to our seven and five year, my, my junior year when Mike was hurt and, and, mm. and, uh, and um, Jake was hurt and, you know, we lost, I don't know, four games by less than a touchdown. None of that matters. You know, everybody's just saying, hey, Michigan is not playing like Michigan. And that's kind of where we are right now. We're not getting it done. And, and it doesn't really matter how weak we are at corner or our, at tackle or at wide receiver. We need guys to step up. We, we have studs in the run game. You know, we have studs in the run game and we got to get the ball going. We got to get, um, you know, those running backs going. And however it is, whether it's misdirection or, you know, um, you don't want to be too gimmicky, but we got to get something going. Yeah, Ruben, let me ask you, you, I know you said you're not an offensive coordinator, but you are a head football coach and you're a former offensive lineman and you're, uh, you know, intrinsically tied to the offense. And so what type of things, if you were the Michigan coaches this week, what type of things would you be trying to implement for this offense to get some of that running game going? I know that one of the things that Justin and I talked about in our podcast yesterday is uh, you know, I think we've seen bits and pieces of what Joe Milton can do. We saw him as a runner in the first game. We saw him throw to the edges, throw to the running backs in the first game, but then we didn't see that in the other games. We saw him throw downfield um, in this third game against Indiana. And so I kind of said, like, isn't it time that you just let him, that you just put all this together? And I guess I'm a little surprised that we've seen disparate pieces of the puzzle without putting the whole puzzle together in these last two weeks. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I think, um, you know, what we've seen from Milton has been some some glimpses of him, uh, you know, on the verge of being a pretty amazing player, um, you know, but then you see where, you know, there's some room for growth uh, just with some of the overthrows, um, you know, decision-making with with, uh, with the picks and not seeing the coverage, um, you know, as well as he should. Uh, but at the end of the day, he's a heck of an athlete, heck of a quarterback, and, um, you know, him getting more involved in the run game is something that I would I would anticipate them doing. Uh, you love quarterback run because you know if you got a good running back uh, who can block, you got an extra blocker um, on the perimeter and, and things like that. So more quarterback run and uh, probably more RPO because all, although we don't have the big six four, uh, six three six four receiver, we got a lot of slot type guys, man, that are quick and and can make moves uh, and make you miss in space. So we got to get the ball out quicker. Um, if that run game is still stagnant, we got to really start thinking more RPO action. So when you look at this offense, it's very young in general. Obviously, Milton is, is inexperienced. There's a lot of the receivers that, that are inexperienced. And then the offensive line. And so I wanted to ask you what you think about this team moving forward because we've talked about kind of now with the state of this 
team this year, maybe you're playing for 2021 and trying to develop these guys and get them ready for this next season. Um, when you look at the offensive line and Joe Milton and maybe even the receivers and running backs room, honestly, everybody, um, where do you see uh, the talent level? Could it be to a, a spot where they are uh, a very, you know, successful offense in the future at some point? Absolutely. I don't think I don't think the talent level is a concern at all. We got we 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 have studs all around that offense and, and defense, to be honest with you. I think it's execution, um, you know, falling to the level of your coaching, you know, really saying, all right, I none of this is a surprise because I'm prepared. You know, I know what we're doing. I know what I need to do. I know what I need, uh, what the defense does not need to do in order for us to be successful. Um, so it, it's more so of executing and not making those huge mistakes that impact the game, uh, you know, in a negative fashion. So, um, yeah, are the, are the athletes there? I 100% believe that our athletes are there, but we got to continue to get them developed and coached up so they fall to the level of their training. I think this is, Ruben, this is a, a challenging moment here for this, for this coaching staff, for these players, because – uh, you know, this has already been a chaotic year, and then there's so much excitement. Okay, we're finally going to play football. They come out, they look like gangbusters against Minnesota. Uh, they lose a very surprising uh, upset to Michigan State, and they come back and lose uh, to Indiana on the road. Now, we, you know, I've been saying for years, Indiana's been getting better and better, and this is, you know, at some point they were going to bite Michigan, but that's their first loss to Indiana in 40 seasons. And, and now you're looking at those Wisconsin game, and so, you know, if if we're being honest, and I, I think we should be, I mean, Michigan really has no – I mean, there's no shot to win a Big Ten East title. Uh, there's no shot uh, to, to go to, you know, the, the Big Ten championship game. Um, it would take, you know, an act of God at this point. So wh where where is the mindset of the coaches? Where is the mindset of the team as they've got five games left? Um, and and it's, is it just about, like, my own personal improvement? Is it – okay, I'm just going to try to win as many games as possible for my seniors. I mean, where's the mentality? Where's the headspace at for these guys right now? Honestly, I, I think you take those things off the table. The winning the Big Ten championship or, or you know, the, any of those, you know, uh, accolades, end of the year accolades, you take that stuff off the table and you just think about man, from, from one play to the next, one practice to the next, one game to the next, you know, uh, you shrink it down in, in a more edible size and just say, hey, let's let's develop each other. Let's come together. Let's make sure that, you know, in every game, when we get on the field as an offense, we get the first first down. You know, uh, we don't go three and out. Like, you know, um, as an offense alignment, it's my footwork, my hands, my technique. It's everything what I need it to be. Like, you know, the being worried about something you can't control will make you crazy. It'll make you, it'll drive you insane. So we got to do the controllables. You know, um, um, offensive linemen creating holes for those running backs. Like we can control that. We can determine where our running back goes. We we need to start being a little more aggressive along that offensive line. Like you said, we we need push, but at the same point in time, stop thinking so big about everything. All right, uh, we're not worried about Ohio State. We don't play them next week. We're worried about Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's where we got to get to. Um, and, and it's all about pride. You know, you don't you don't go to Michigan just to hold on. You don't go to Michigan just to survive. Uh, you know, that's a special place. And, and um, you know, being mediocre or just surviving will never be acceptable. And if it is, then 
you know, I, I, I don't, I don't think that whoever is in the helm needs to continue to be in the helm, but we're not, we're not reaching for mediocrity, but what we are trying to do is worry about and control what we can control. And that's from week to week, from practice to practice, from day to day, doing what you're supposed to do. So I don't believe that you went through this really um, in your career, but um, there's rumors every single year about Jim Harbaugh, you know, leaving for the NFL. And now they seem to be getting more serious, whether he's going to be fired or Michigan's going to move on or anything like that. What does it do to a team inside that, uh, that locker room and everything when those rumors are going around and, and you're not really sure if, your coach is going to be your coach next year. Um, if your if your position coach is going to be there, and it, you know by the end of the year, what does that do to a team and, and to the the mindset that they have for the rest of the season and beyond um, when you're when you're really unsure about the future? Um, I mean, for for guys that for guys that aren't focused, that that can really be a blow to to their psyche. Um, I think for leaders for guys that really understand what this thing is all about, uh, you, take, you, you take even more responsibility for that. You say, here's a man who, who knows how to win, who's been a winner, and right now we're not winning, we're not executing, that falls on us. Coaches can only coach, we play. You know, so mm -hmm. like if, you, if you're a leader, you don't say, well, well you know, my, my coach didn't call the right play. Man, he should be able to call any play, and if we execute it, we'll be okay. So leadership will tell you, hey, man, this is on us. You know, we're going we're gonna to get a man fired because we're not executing. But, you know, some, some more, you know, um, um, weaker minds will say, yeah, it's because of the coaching. They're, uh -huh. You know, they, they're not calling the right plays. We're not, we're, not, we're not in the right mindset. We're not, you know, they're, they're not doing the right things for us to be successful. So it, it, can, it can create a, a, a divide and a tear in the locker room. But I, I would like to think there's more leader, more leaders than weak-minded guys that's saying, okay, it doesn't matter who they bring in here as far as the next coach. Um, are we going to execute? Are we going to do what we're supposed to do to be successful? Are we going to control what we can't control? We don't really control if, if Harbaugh is going to take an a, a NFL job. They don't control that. But what you do control is how dominant you are versus Wisconsin. Well, Ruben, let's finish with that because I think that's a perfect uh, end note here for you. Um, uh, what I'm hearing from you, and I think I, you know, and I agree with really is, is you got to, if you're a player and if you're a coach, you got to block out the big picture stuff. You got to block out all the chatter from outside, including uh, our podcast and all the stuff on social media and all members of the media saying, is this Jim Harbaugh's last year? Should it be his last year? What's Ward Manning going to do? You got to block all that out. And you got to focus what's in right in front of you and what's right in front of Michigan uh, is Saturday's game against uh, Wisconsin. And so if, if when you're looking at this game, you've seen the first three weeks, um, what do you want to see from Michigan football, particularly on the offensive side of the ball that we haven't seen yet, that makes you feel at least a little bit better about where this, where this team is headed in 2020? Honestly, it's just moving the chains moving the chains and, and, and putting points up on the board, whether it's three or seven. Um, you know, we can't go three and out. Uh, you know, I, I, I could talk about, you know, the accuracy of the quarterback and how, you know, how many yards we should have in the run game. But honestly, however, it, 
I just would like to see us sustain drives, move the chains, and not have to resort to, all right, if we don't take these 50-50 shots and, and convert on third and 15, then, you know, we're losing the game. Like, no, that's not winning football. Winning football is having second and short, third and short, and moving the chains and sustaining drives and keeping your defense off the field and, and just, you know, being, being more controlling of what's happening in the game. That's what I would like to see. All right, Ruben, great stuff. Uh, good luck with uh, your students up there at, uh, in Grand Rapids. We appreciate it. We look forward to chatting with you next week. And hopefully next week we're talking about some of these gains by the offensive line. We're talking about some uh, improvement uh, from these, uh, these young players that have been um, thrust into positions on the offensive line, talking about improvement from the running backs, from Joe Milton. And, you know, I, I guess just we're hopefully hopeful after next week's game because I, I don't know how, how uh, much I can do the pessimistic uh, view of, of Michigan football. I don't know about you, Ruben, but it, it, it grates on you. And I, I just want to be, uh, have something to be positive about in a week from now when we're talking again. Definitely. Um, we're Michigan, next man up, and, and, and guys are going to fall to the level of their training. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely plan on having a more positive uh, conversation next week. All right. Thanks, Ruben. So, Justin, we, uh, we get to this part of the week, and I don't know if, we're, if the enthusiasm is there to pick a offensive and defensive MVP for Michigan, but say, let's do a hypothetical before we get to our score predictions. Let's say Michigan wins this game, um, or at least plays well in it. Who do you have for your offensive and defensive MVPs for, for the Wolverines in this one? You know what? I talked about him earlier, and I am just going to keep riding this train. I think it's got to be Ronnie Bell. He seems like the one guy that, that has emerged as a leader for this team, and he's the one guy with fight. And so I think if Michigan's going to win this game, he's going to put them on his back. And, and um, that, was, that was apparent in the, in the second half of the Indiana game that he was saying, you know what, I'm not sit, I'm not going to just roll over and let this happen. So um, let, let's go out here and fight. So if they are going to win this game, he's going to be the one guy that's going to uh, be calling for the ball, running his routes crisply, um, and Joe Milton's going to try and find him on the field. And so, um, it, again, it's tough to say an MVP at wide receiver because if he's catching the ball, then Joe Milton's going to be throwing it, and he'll have a good game too. Um, but I think we'll notice that – uh, if Michigan does play well here, it's going to be largely because of Ronnie Bell on the offensive side. On the defensive side of the ball, I'm going to stick with Dax Hill, man. I, I, don't, I, I think that's a, an easy choice, honestly, because he seems to be the, one of the only guys playing well um, throughout all three games of the season here. Um, but re-watching the game from Indiana, he made some spectacular plays, and it wasn't even just on pass plays. There, was, there were a couple plays where he was on the complete opposite, opposite side of the field. When the ball is snapped, he's the farthest away from the ball and still makes the tackle. Um, and so I think he is just so important to this team, whether it be the pass or the run. And, and I, I see him uh, making some plays against Graham Mertz uh, here if Mertz does play. So what do you have on your, uh, your side for the, uh, for the offense and the defense? Well, I'll start with defense. And, you know, we, we've already talked about him in this podcast. Um, He's, he's been the most consistent defensive player for the Wolverines, and that's Quiddy Pay. And when I look at this game, uh, you know, and 
I do expect Graham Mertz to play, and, and we'll 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 finish uh, here in a second, just kind of looking at Wisconsin. But if if Michigan's going to rattle Graham Mertz, it's got to come from pressure. Uh, I, I like your pick of Dax Hill, but here's the problem with Dax Hill at this point: is he can guard one guy. They're not really using him as a roaming free safety. They're using Brad Hawkins in that role. Um, they've got Dax Hill. They're lining him up on a slot. They're putting him on. You know, the last two weeks, they put him on Michigan State and the best wide receiver. He has shut that guy down. It hasn't mattered because uh, both uh, the Spartans and, and Hoosier just said, all right, you're taking away our number one. We'll just throw to our number two and number three. Uh, and those guys have had big games against Michigan. In fact, a uh, great stat from, from Jake Sage, um, you know, my, my former intern at Wolverine Digest that came up with this. Michigan's allowed – uh, a 100-yard wide receiver in five straight games. Um, you know, we're, we we did a lot of research. I was helping him out, and it looks like that is the longest stretch that Michigan has ever seeded of uh, five straight games of a 100-yard receiver. So incredible. Um, and so I just think that someone else will get 100 yards, even if Dax Hill is shutting somebody down. So for me, it's like you got to get to the quarterback. you got to put pressure on him. You've got to disrupt him. And if that's going to happen, it's going to happen from Quiddy Pay. So that's my defensive MVP in this game. My offensive MVP in this game, you know, I like your pick of Ronnie Bell. Um, I think we're both frustrated by the lack of commitment to a, to a certain running back. So I, I don't even want to go out there and say a running back is going to be the MVP. Uh, I think I might have done that two weeks ago with Michigan State and picked Zach Charbonnet and he didn't really do anything. Um, you know, it, it's, it's probably Joe Milton, but if, we're, if we just want to go off the, the Joe Milton train, um, you know, I, I look at someone like Eric All who – a lot of times, like Zach Shaw, my former colleague at WTK, used to really believe in this, the, uh, uh, what do you call it, the, the press conference, you know, theory or like that. And so if they bring a player to a press conference, if they talk about a player to a press conference, chances are they're going to try to emphasize that player. And this week is all about Eric All, um, from the coaches, from the players themselves. And so you wonder if he's going to have an opportunity, if they see some things, if they and they try to build his confidence up because they know how special he can be. And so maybe he gets six to eight targets in this game. And, you know, he, he looks like a physical mismatch out there um, if they can find the, the way to give him the ball. Um, and so I'll go with Eric All. You go with Ronnie Bell, Dax Hill, Quiddy Pay. Um, you know, again, if Michigan's going to win this, win this game, all four of those guys have got to play big roles. And, and, and Justin, before we get to our predictions, I do want to mention, uh, so yesterday I had an opportunity. I went over to Wolverine State Brewing Company, and I got to try out the Michael Spath. We nicknamed it the Condor. Um, not really sure why the, the name came. I guess it's a, it's a bird uh, because uh, <laughs> my sandwich is a fried chicken, a good piece of fried chicken, man, on a waffle bun uh, with bacon, fried egg, spicy syrup with a little bit of, like, hot sauce sriracha in there and honey mustard dressing. Wow. It was, uh, you could imagine, man. I mean, like that's a, that's a brunch sandwich. That's a breakfast sandwich, but it's a sandwich sandwich. And it was absolutely, uh, you know, one of the best things, um, I've tasted in a while here. And so that is available only on Saturday this week. Uh, so if you're listening to this podcast today on Friday, um, you know, make sure you mark it down. If you're listening to it, uh, tomorrow on Saturday, uh, before the Michigan-Wisconsin game, call over there, order out. WolverineBeer.com is the website. Um, order yourself a couple of the Condor Michael Spath, the uh, you know chicken and waffle sandwich. I'm trying to beat the the, the current record. This is the fourth week of this. 
the, the top sandwich that they've sold so far, I think they've sold like 27 of them. My goal is to sell 50. My goal is to have 50 of these sandwiches eaten um, by our, our audience. Uh, so help me out. Um, and it's, you know, it's mouthwatering. So, so go for it. I know it sounds like you and Jacqueline are going to give it a try on, uh, on Saturday. For so sure. uh, you'll have to let me know what you think. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a, that's our plan. So I, it better be good. I don't want to be let down here. And I know that um, Wolverine doesn't let us down very often. So I'm pretty confident, but I mean, you let us down a lot. So it's, it's a tough, wow, it's a tough wow. thing. Okay. <laughs> okay. Wow. Shot across the bow here. Justin fried chicken, waffle, bacon, honey mustard, syrup you can't go there's wrong. no let down there's no let down here no let down here so now I all right wanna, so speaking of yeah i i was just go gonna ahead. say i i i need that right now for, for a breakfast sandwich holy smokes that sounds good well you know if you call over there and say hey nate um this is justin Rowe. maybe <laughs> he'll he'll do you a salad and and deliver you on a little bit early uh, I don't know what his, his plan is here, but uh, I might have to. So try speaking that. of letdowns, speaking of letdowns, <laughs> um, nice transition here. Is Michigan going to win this game, or are you expecting more of the same on on Saturday night? Well, I I think that a lot of it does have to do with Graham Mertz because if they don't mm-hmm. have Graham Mertz, it's their fourth string quarterback, right? And so um, I I. I don't know what, what Wisconsin's fourth-string quarterback looks like, honestly, but it can't be anything special. And so I think that makes a big deal, which I wanted to ask you this about Graham Mertz. So the Big Ten has been so, you know, very strict on, on all of their protocols and all of the regulations, um, but there's so much confusion about is Graham Mertz eligible? And it seems like nobody, still nobody has an answer. How has there not been a definitive answer on yes, he can play, no, he cannot play? I don't know, honestly. I mean, <laughs> I, I think he can play. Like, if he's allowed to play in the game on Saturday, yes. What the argument has been is that he only returned, he only came out of COVID protocol, uh, I believe on Thursday, was the first day that he was allowed to practice. The whole idea of this 21 days is you spend the first week, you know, completely separated. You go undergo tests uh, to make sure that they don't have this heart condition develop. Uh, and then the, the, the theory is, is that that last week, when you come out of it, you're supposed to have like a week um, to even like 10 days to, to get yourself back in like physical shape, mm-hmm. game condition. Uh, and, and that's the whole thing behind it. And so, okay, now you have a week to practice before you're getting thrown into the mix. Well, here's the crazy thing is that, Right now, he doesn't have a week. He didn't start practicing on Sunday or Monday. He started practicing on Thursday. So he has Thursday, which is generally a full team. You know, usually that's like one of the hardest days of the week. Friday is generally a walkthrough, um, a pretty light day. And Saturday is game day. And, yes, Michigan plays at 8 o'clock, but it's, it's, you know, that is a really relatively light day. I mean, it's usually waking up, going, like eating breakfast and going to the, 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 the stadium. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're talking about two days of practice and really only one physical day of practice. So, you know, can he play? Yes. Will he be physically ready? I mean, I don't know how you say he will be, but I think there's going to be such an urgency for Wisconsin to win this game because – you know, Wisconsin has such a thin margin for error. If they lose a game, if they certainly lose two games and they only play six, 
you know, they're four and two. They ain't going to probably get it done in the Big Ten West. Right. Uh, so I think he will play in this game. But, Justin, I'm going to do something completely crazy. Last week I picked Michigan to lose. Um, everybody is down on this program right now. I don't think – I'm not really – I'm not really confident – uh, that Jim Harbaugh is going like, to you know, push all the buttons to motivate. But I do think there's some internal stuff. And I do think this offense uh, is showing some signs. They're just not putting together consistently. I mean, they only scored 21 points last week. They need a lot more than that. Um, I don't think this defense has any shot uh, against Wisconsin. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Michigan, with Wisconsin being off for two weeks, Really, I mean, they didn't practice for, I think it was like 12 days or something like that. I think they're going to be rusty. I think Michigan, this is a great opportunity for the Wolverines to win. And I'm going to take Michigan uh, 35 to 31 in this game. Wow. Wow. I like the confidence, but I, I don't know if I totally agree with you. I mean, it's, that's a, you're definitely out on a limb. I don't think there are many people out there giving Michigan a chance this week. Um, and understandably so. And so, in, in my opinion, this game is going to be determined, honestly, in the first quarter. If Michigan mm-hmm. can come out and move the ball right away on offense and then also make a few stops on defense and those defensive backs and the corners uh, make a few plays and gain some confidence right away and Quiddy Pay and these linebackers can get to Graham Mertz, get him uncomfortable uh, back there, I think that Michigan has a pretty good chance, actually. Um, but if, it, if we see the same thing as uh, we did last week where Michigan went three and out in their first few uh, drives and then they gave up uh, long pass plays and were jumping off sides on defense uh, and having the the pass interference penalties as well. I think it could go could it could go south for Michigan very quickly here um, if Graham Mertz is just as good as as he was in Week One. And and one thing that is interesting to me is. We've kind of given Joe Milton the pass of slowly getting into things because he's inexperienced. Well, Graham Mertz came out in his very first uh, mm-hmm. start and threw for five touchdowns. So um, they seem to be on little different planes as far as uh, how quickly they've progressed. And so it, it, we'll see who is actually um, you know, in better shape when they square off against each other. Um, it'll be interesting to see how good Wisconsin is against a decent football team um, because – Michigan was very good against Minnesota, and they're a bad football team. Wisconsin was very good against Illinois, and they're an even worse football team. Um, so mm-hmm. I think it'll be interesting. Um, but if Michigan can come out and, and smack them in the mouth early, I believe that, that Wisconsin will be like, oh, oh, okay, all right, we're playing real football now. Um, and maybe they can get them off their, off their edge a little bit. So I am not going to predict a Michigan win because I've seen too much already this year, um, but I do think it's going to be closer and Michigan's going to play better than they have in the past few weeks. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say kind of opposite to you, uh, 35, 28 Badgers. Okay. Well, Justin, I will say this. You make a great point about Graham Mertz. He had a, he had an amazing debut uh, in, in his second year and, you and I have put some expectations on Joe Milton. We've said at some point, like, he's got to be, you know, week one, he was the better quarterback. Week two, he was not. Week three, he was not. Um, if he, if he's got to be the better quarterback this week. He's now had, this will be his fourth game under his belt. He's had no disruptions to his practice. Uh, Graham Mertz doesn't have any experience on him. 
He hasn't practiced. Uh, you know, he's practiced two days. Uh, he hasn't uh, seen the field in, in a, about a month here. So it, it's time now. I mean, like, let's, mm-hmm. let's dial it up. Like, Joe Milton has to go out there and be the better quarterback and, and lead his team to a victory. Um, because if Graham Mertz goes out there and outduels Joe, Joe Milton, again, like, is that damning to Joe Milton and saying, like, his future is, blob, you know, is in the dumper? No. But, you know, you can't he, – he's a young guy with a lot of talent. Michigan's got to turn him loose and let him be the best, best player in the field, and let him be the best quarterback in the field. Because if Wisconsin does that, it's just going to be another indictment of, of, this, of this coaching staff and how they treat their quarterbacks because um, they've got to get the most out of Joe Milton this weekend to win this game. And, and that's what Wisconsin's going to try to do with Graham Mertz. Uh, and so, yeah, we've got to see that. We've got to see it I, at some point that... here, and this is a game that you need it. I think that what we've said about uh, about Joe Milton for the past three weeks is, uh, or at least for the past two, is he wasn't the reason that Michigan lost, correct? Right. But now what right. we need to say is Joe Milton is the reason that this football team won. He needs yep. to make that, that step and say, and, and we need to be able to say, all right, yeah, Joe Milton made some unbelievable plays and some clutch times and got his receivers the ball and 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 that was the reason they won instead of saying uh you know what they didn't play well joe milton played okay but he wasn't really the reason that they lost Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely great stuff man uh yeah you can listen to you can find us on spotify apple um google Podcasts, pretty much everywhere you you download your podcast you can uh, find stadium in maine follow us on twitter at Stadium Main Pod. Uh, I am Michael Spath, ITH. I don't know how we, how much I'll be tweeting during the game tomorrow with my in-laws over, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> I guess it depends on how it goes. Uh, at Justin Rowe 92 on Twitter. Um, so, you know, follow us, like us. Um, you know, thanks to our great sponsors, Captain Insurance Group, Frankenmuth Insurance, Weber's uh, Hotel and Restaurant, Wolverine State Brewing Company, Lewis Jewelers, uh, and if you want to make a, a monthly donation, you can uh, right on the uh, podcast page, uh, $9.99, $4.99, or $0.99. Cents, and we use that to pay. You heard from Ruben Riley earlier. We use that to pay our, our guests, Ruben Riley and Will Heinegger. So uh, thanks, everybody, and enjoy your college football weekend. We'll come back and talk about it on Sunday with Will Heinegger. Thanks, guys. See you next week. This is the Stadium and Main podcast. Presented by Kapnick Insurance Group, Wolverine State Brewing Company, and Lewis Jewelers.